0: Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast,
1: a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon.
0: I'm Himra Chano, pastor of community engagement and stewardship.
1: And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts.
0: Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome.
1: We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities,
0: ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations
1: because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave., our leadership model is non-hierarchical.
0: And we practice an open pulpit
1: where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices
0: from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice. it.
1: Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID 19, has suspended in person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook at Park Ave Baptist or Instagram at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times.
2: My name is Daniel Bass. I'm one of the deacons here and serve on the worship team. Um, It is my pleasure to lead you in our time of centering down. This is the part of our service where we get still, where we um, get quiet and just become present to the here and the now, to God present to us in this moment. God can't be found anywhere else besides this present moment. So if you will join me, I'm gonna read a poem written by Joy Harjo entitled, Praise the Rain for our Centering Down Moment. Um, If it's comfortable for you, you can close your eyes, um, whatever helps you get into kind of a posture of receptivity and rest. Praise the rain, the seagull dive the curl of plant, the raven talk. Praise the hurt, the house slack, the stand of trees, the dignity. Praise the dark, the moon cradle, the sky fall, the bear sleep. Praise the mist, the warrior name, the earth eclipse, the fired leap. Praise the backwards, upward sky, the baby cry, the spirit food. Praise canoe, the fish rush, the hole for frog, the upside down. Praise the day, the cloud cup, the mind flat, forget it all. Praise crazy, praise sad, praise the path on which we're led. Praise the roads on earth and water, praise the eater and the eaten. Praise beginnings, praise the end. Praise the song and praise the singer. Praise the rain. It brings more rain. Praise the rain. It brings more
0: rain. This is up next. We'll be reading Acts 4, um, 32 through 35.
2: Hear the words from the book of Acts. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, This is mine, about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. The apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and an abundance of grace was at work among them all. There were no needy persons among them. Those who owned properties or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds from the cells, and place them and the care and under the authority of the apostles. Then it was distributed to anyone who was in need.
1: I need you to survive. I love those words. I need you to survive this notion, but I wanna go further. I need you to thrive. I need you to blossom. I need you to bloom. I need you to thrive to grow and become to shine and prosper poet persian poet Hafiz says it like this in his soul in his poem each soul completes me my beloved my name is not complete without yours i am made whole by your life each soul each soul completes me we're all a part of god's body May God expand our understanding and experience to truly envision this imaginative, beautiful world, this utopia. I'm Darcy. I'm one of the pastors at Park Ave. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm so excited to welcome you all here, whether you're watching it on the Zoom, whether you're watching it Facebook Live or later. We're happy you're here. This is the liturgical season of Eastertide, and we're in a sermon series that we're calling You Can't Stop the Resurrection. You Can't Stop the Resurrection. So as we undertake to study these short verses from the fourth chapter of Acts, let's invite God into the hearing and the speaking of this message. Let's let this message touch us. Will y'all pray with me? God, creative creator, one who creates from nothing, may the words of my mouth and the meditations and imaginations of all of our hearts in the various places we find ourselves right now with distance between us be found pleasing in your sight, maybe even satisfying and delightful to you, God, the one who delights in our living, our God, our rock and our redeemer amen you can't stop the resurrection it's all around us you can't stop it it's in the way we love each other last week reverend james blay reminded us that god and love you can't stop the resurrection because it continues through our deep love for one another So this week, we take another look at scripture to see where the resurrection is. And I think we'll find it this morning in this imagination and creativity that Lindsay mentioned in the children's moment. This is where we can find God and we can see a picture of how community, maybe even the kingdom of God or what we like to call the kingdom of God is pictured in this passage in Acts. The author of the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts we know is the same person so we can look and we can talk about themes shared in both of these texts to discover a larger meaning a picture that is throughout our sacred text but specifically in these two books this picture is one of countercultural themes and one that we see in the blessing of the poor the blessed status of those who are marginalized right from the beginning in luke we see we hear mary's magnificat and we hear of a god who favors the poor god has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed in the kingdom of heaven the last shall be first and the first shall be last blessed are the poor We hear in the Sermon on the Plain in Luke 6, the blessing of the poor is modeled through how Jesus calls those who follow him, giving asking them to give up worldly possessions. When asked by a righteous man how to enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus responds, sell everything and distribute the money to the poor then you will have treasure in heaven. This is a continuous theme, the blessing of the poor of the poor, and by ascension and in some places directly, the condemnation of those who have, who are rich. We hear in Luke's gospel from Jesus's mouth, indeed, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. The claim in the book, The Economy of the Kingdom, is that at the heart of Luke's message is an insistence on the redistribution of wealth or blessing to those in need. And the author, Moxness, calls this a mandate, a mandate to implement the divine reversal. In the kingdom of heaven, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. These are the claims, but have we seen these come to fruition in real life. We even make claims that kind of sound like this today. They're similar about those in this marginalized community in this product-based economy. Blessed are the poor today could sound like gratitude to the essential workers. Blessed are the poor gratitude to essential workers, yet we keep ordering from Amazon. I'm talking to myself here. Numerous strikes and, and employees that have cited unsafe conditions, yet we say the words and do we act into that reality. Workers need to be blessed. Bless those workers who can't stay home, keep their families in prayer as they go into unsafe conditions. We've never really known how to bless the poor, how to implement this divine reversal. This is the value that our economy and we place on labor and people. Is this, I need you to survive? Amid this COVID-19 pandemic, we say blessed are the workers who continue to show up. Yet, do we pay them more? Do we protect our citizens? Coronavirus is a socioeconomic disease affecting those who are marginalized. Coronavirus is a gendered and racialized disease impacting those with weakened immune systems. Diabetes, asthma, which also happen to exist in communities that have a lack of access to nourishing food or pollution due to environmental racism. We exist within a systemic disconnect today in how economic structures place value on labor. And the sharing of possessions. We know this all very well. We understand the wage gap, unjustly based on gender, wrongfully based in race, rooted in a history of racism. This is our economy, and it has always devalued life. The United States was literally built on the back of enslaved African people. The land of the United States was plainly taken from those native inhabitants, the native people, those originally here, attempted genocide is our national history. The whole way of looking at human beings and the value of the economy needs to be turned on its head, the divine reversal. Here in the state of Georgia right now, we know this governor The governor unilaterally decided that businesses are to open against all recommendations from the CDC, which is also located here in Georgia. Why, why, why might we declare this so callously? Because the budget was looking low and the state was going to have to pay unemployment. So now many claims for unemployment will be denied valuing economic impact above protection and safety and health of our hourly workers is dangerous, so dangerous, and sadly, not surprising. The governor is aware that more people will die if businesses go back to what was normal. Human life is precious. You are precious. We should not have to decide between being at risk and being able to take care of our families and pay bills. But this is the model we have today. This is the corrupt blueprint of a broken system that illustrates exactly the opposite of this biblical ideal. So how do we push beyond this nefarious system that guides us toward an ideal and an ethic that that devalues life toward an ethic that says, I need you to survive. Acknowledging our mutual destiny, our shared eventuality. It's clear that the community described in Acts has a communal mindset. So do we take this seriously? And in that taking it seriously, are we reading it? How we should really read this? Listen again to these words from the pericope for Max. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine, about any possessions, but held everything in common. The apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and an abundance of grace was at work among them all. There were no needy persons among them, those who owned property, Or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds from the nails and place them in the care. And under the authority of the apostles, then it was distributed to anyone in need. What a beautiful picture of the church. Maybe it's a picture of the kingdom of heaven, utopia, perfection, shared ideals lived out in community, integrity, faultless. Idealistic? Improbable? Temporary? Temporary for sure because we've read the book of Acts. We know that this image of the perfect church ends in about 10 verses with the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They couldn't live up to the standard. They couldn't share equally. They could not give up their passions and they pay true price. They paid the price, the ultimate price, and would say, see, utopia doesn't work, we might say to ourselves to disregard this passage. See, even back then, people couldn't do it there. These are folks who stood and sat at the feet of Jesus, some of them, and heard images of the kingdom of heaven. They couldn't give up their possessions. See, it couldn't work for us. The early church couldn't sustain this model. In fact, the church in Jerusalem failed so maybe we're reading this text wrong when we try to reduce the biblical text to a simple historical literature maybe we're using it the wrong way maybe we're devaluing the true potential of this verse which is to say imagine our futures we are missing the point this exists Throughout the Bible, this image of the kingdom of God, Luke Timothy Johnson, New Testament scholar writes in his book, Sharing Possessions, that the community of goods or practice of sharing possessions illustrated in Acts, as well as two chapters earlier in Acts two, is not a mode of practice, but instead to illustrate how the spirit of God can unify the church. read this at first and i was kind of like well are we rationalizing are we you know are we looking at this text in order to rationalize how we live today but what if these images exist as a picture of the resurrection in the form of prophetic imaginings this is the equitable future that we have to imagine right now so this text doesn't tell us to do what what to do right now, it tells us to imagine right now. The scripture provides an image of what the church could be. These sacred imaginings are like a captured impression of the resurrection. And like Daniel said, the resurrection and God are right now. So right now, how can we imagine the resurrection? The true purpose of the verses like this in Acts and throughout the Bible are to show what the resurrection could be in what cultural strategists call a poetic intervention. Poetry in the sense of creation and co-creation with God. One such culture shifter and dreamer, Robin D.G. Kelly writes, poetry is a revolt, a scream in the night, an emancipation of language and old ways of thinking. This is what she writes in her book, Freedom Dreams, The Black Radical Imagination. This is a snapshot of what hope can do. We can envision our liberation. And as Ellie says further on in her book, the map to the new world is in the imagination. So in Acts, we hear the community of believers was of one heart and one mind. This sentence was reiterated from the text in Jeremiah where the prophet says, I will give you one heart and one mind so that you may worship me all of your days. Acts describes the community who owned properties and houses and sold them and brought the proceeds to the leaders to be distributed to anyone in need. Psalm 133 reads, look how pleasing it is when families live as one because the Lord God has commanded the blessing, everlasting life. The answer is not as easy as looking at the biblical text or the text in Acts as a blueprint to follow. In that way, we would never have to imagine it ourselves. The sacred scriptures are not prescriptive. They invite us to work. The nuance and context needed in these times have changed, evolved. No prescription would fit, certainly not one from 3,000 years ago. We need to imagine the world anew now. The resurrection is now. To see again the possibility of this moment. What if we read this text not as reality, but instead we read it as poetic? As hopeful as a vision or an intervention of imagination for what could be. Imagining a different world is hard. It's harder than we might think. Frederick Jameson, American philosopher and theorist, popularized the idea that it is easier to imagine the end of the world than to imagine the end of capitalism. It's easier to imagine the zombie apocalypse than to imagine the end of racism. It's easier to project forward a meteorite crashing into the planet rather than see the end of patriarchy, right? But this is why art right now is producing all of these images of the the end of the world, this last dying gasp of capitalism, right? We're seeking, we're looking for visions of what could be. You cannot stop the resurrection. This text in Acts arrives to us in Eastertide. So we need to ask the question, how does the resurrection challenge me to think differently? to imagine differently, it is this dream of a new world, this picture of the resurrection that drives us and will fuel us and act as a catalyst to enact change in the world. So we need to be inspired by it. We need to make it right now. And this type of futuristic, hopeful imagining is happening right now. It is. Tony Kadekambara, American civil rights activist said, that the work of the artists make the revolution irresistible, right? The revolution is irresistible when we see it through the creative explosions of movements in the past like surrealism after World War II that sought to free our thought or like the Harlem Renaissance that showed us freedom that comes through artistic expressions. Today we see this echoing in the movement of Afrofuturism. This culture and change and growth projects a future that is irresistible. The image of Wakanda is irresistible. Afrofuturism is a social and political cultural genre that projects images, creates black icons and heroines into this fantasy landscape of the future, one that had not been projected forward with people of color, one that is in its very existence a protest, this landscape, this utopia, this is a place of mutual destiny. I talk about Black Panther because it's just the most prominent example, the most popular cultural phenomenon that has come out of this movement right now. This movie was the most popular superhero movie ever. It broke so many awards. Highest grossing black fil- film with a black director and predominantly black cast ever. You know you've seen it. I've seen it like three or four times. Some of us went to the theater and saw it a bunch of times. And film critics were baffled. They were like, all right, it's a superhero movie. What's going on? But for an artistic genre and industry failed to see what is irresistible about this image. This image of Wakanda, the power and the impact and the hope building of this image. Not just because we see beautiful past and people but because Wakanda in our imaginations sparks us to come alive. The thought of the homeland lost to so many people generations ago, thriving, existing in secret. For those of you who don't know, Wakanda is the place where a meteorite made of vibranium struck the earth, affecting the wildlife and creating a heart-shaped herb that gave superhuman powers to those who consumed it, creating the first Black Panther to be followed by many after the thriving and the building of this community is itself inspirational, This is an origin narrative. This is mesmerizing in the telling. I almost put the clip up for this sermon because it's beautiful. The story of a home far off, yet alive in our mind's eye. Does that sound familiar to you? The story of what is and always has been, but is not yet. Does this sound familiar to any of you? The story of the kingdom of heaven where all, where the last shall be first and the first shall be last. This is irresistible. Wakanda, the place of abundance that moves us past this scarcity mindset where we don't hoard possessions, yet instead we pool them and together we thrive If we read texts like this one in Acts, like Afrofuturism of their time, of utopic possibilities of their time, do we feel re-inspired? If this is an actual glimpse of the resurrection, it comes in pieces, right? So we need to reimagine it again. And it is our duty to practice re Imagining to take texts like this scripture and see them reflected in culture today. We need to keep writing the next Testament. We need to tear the back page off the Bible, like Bishop Flunder says, and continue to write this future, continue to imagine. I can't talk about Afrofuturism without considering the mother, the mother of the movement to so many, Octavia Butler. When, when asked why she wrote science fiction, she said I was attracted to science fiction because it was so wide open. I was able to do anything and there were no walls to hem you in and no human condition you were stopped from examining. Many are looking to Octavia's work right now in this time of pandemic. She wanted to set her mind free. So within a book that talks about the end, we, we see a picture of Utopia as well. She created a theology in these books, y'all. This is our next testament. We need to ourselves continue to write and feed that creativity within. There is a movement right now called Octavia's Brood. It's activists, culture shifters, artists who are writing in the continuing the story of Octavia's work. They are using it for a tool for social justice, a tool to awaken our imagining. What if we could imagine beyond, right? This is coming from an old hippie who used to live in a commune. Yeah, let's make a commune. Newsflash, it didn't work. We need new images, right? So let's move toward this future images beyond this corrupt system, one where we can find shared mutuality. I hearken back to the poem that I read that I read by Hafiz. My name is not complete without yours. I am made whole by your life. Each soul completes me in order to truly embody the words. Need you to survive shared mutual destiny is what we need to grow and change through this time of disruption. Could this crisis be an intervention, an invitation to reimagine, to see the resurrection, to re-engage, to reground ourselves, to truly become a co-creator, to recognize the value of creativity and creation, the value of groundedness and place and home, yet with imagination to explore what communities could be. Park Avenue, this is where we can see that you can't stop the resurrection. It shows itself in our imaginings and the establishment of new systems of value, new economies of abundance, people exchanging goods with their neighbors in need, sharing and partnering and buying toilet paper together. I asked this question this week to people on the interworld and saw so many examples of the new economy of abundance. I heard so many stories, stories of giving supplies and food to those in need, delivering meals to essential workers. In my neighborhood, my neighbor just came over the other day and gave us some Clorox wipes. I guess I had forced some hand sanitizer on her the week before, but Right now, people are willing and ready to envision a new future. It's already happening with Wakanda Dream Lab and Octavia's Brood. Let's join them in picturing and shifting the world. Let's not go back to normal. What is normal? Normal is marginalization. Normal is the economy that devalues. Let's move toward a new future, a new beginning. A new resurrection. In this COVID-19 pandemic, when we are changing our behavior and the way that we are social and the way that we organize ourselves, the economy is being reorganized. Let's abandon our relationship with patriarchy. Let's abandon and evolve beyond capitalism and embody utopian futures through art, y'all. Let's do it first. We need to imagine it in our mind's eye. So if you have that pull toward creation right now, follow it. Follow it. You know, Grace Lee Boggs, who was a famous labor organizer in Detroit and did so much, said the revolution is advancing humankind to a new stage of creativity, social and political responsibility. We're there, right? The resurrection is the revolution. This is our new consciousness. We can't go back. This is the resurrection. It is now. You can't stop it. May God make it so. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. ish.
0: We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street.
1: To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavbaptist.com.
0: Now go into a world that is too often unjust.
1: Knowing that the God that created you loves you
0: and empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively,
1: and serve creatively.